So for a second week, I have been left here in charge of the podcast loosely. That 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 tends to mean that I set a time for us to record and we start late and the research is patchy at best and I, I, I can't rely on, on Claire's kind of punctuality and ability to research things for more than five minutes. But I am trying to re-engage myself with the NHL playoffs after the heartbreak of my beloved team going out. And the way I've been able to do that was to, you know, pick another team and choose to root for them. Uh, and that was Carolina. And that obviously went well. So I don't know, do I pick another one, which inevitably is just a sentence for them to, to go out at this stage? Or should I just try and be a neutral, which is something that I'm not very good at? Um, so I'm going to have a think over the next hour or so and see whether there's another team that I quite fancy um, putting the sword over and inevitably seeing them drop out. But thankfully for you guys, because that would be a very depressing hour, me telling you my thoughts on uh, what I think of hockey right now. We've got two people here who have still got their teams in the playoffs and it's heating up and it's getting ever so close. You look at that playoff bracket and you're getting ever so close. And I think even... Matt told me in the week that he's got a little bit of hope. I think there's a little bit of hope that perhaps maybe this could be their year. I'm sure he'll, he'll knock me down a peg or two for saying that. But Matt is here with us, who's our Dallas Stars fan, has been with us since the return from COVID. Hello, Matt. Hiya. Thanks very much for joining us again. And this week we are joined by Andy Giddings, who is a Vancouver Canucks fan based over here in the UK. We spoke to him um, first time round on Series 1 of this podcast. Welcome along, Andy. Oh, thank you. How does it feel supporting Canada's only remaining team in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Surprising, I suppose, is the first <laughs> thing. Um, yeah, I, I think at this stage, I'm thinking any other any games we win is a bit of a bonus, really, because I didn't really expect to be going this far. I mean, playoffs, possibly, but that was a bit of a stretch uh, from early in the season. So, yeah, happy with where we are. Because that, that is the perception that from, from an outsider's point of view, looking at the Canucks, that, you know, they were, they were touch and go whether they were going to make the playoffs in a normal season mm. and if the season had panned out. But, but what everyone seems to be quite impressed with is just the way that they've kept playing their game. They've not particularly changed anything up and they just seem like they're, they're quite an entertaining team to watch. They're, they do make mistakes, but they do score goals and they score their way out of it. And maybe people are surprised that they're maybe a few years ahead of where they expect, are expected to be. Is that the case from a Canucks fan? Is this exceeding your expectations? Yeah, I think they're at the stage now where they're at the start of the sort of the window, if you like, the, the, the time where they might be hoping to compete for trophies. They probably wouldn't expect to be properly competing for one at this stage. Um, getting into the playoffs, I think we probably expected to beat the Minnesota Wild, if I'm, if I'm honest, because yeah. they're, they're, they're a good team. They're well-organised, but haven't... You know, an aging team as well. I've got the sort of the, the star players they once had. Um, beating the Blues, uh, yeah, I guess. I think we 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 matched them. I don't think we were sort of um, you know out of that series at all. Um, I, I think the Blues went into the gate the series on a really bad run, didn't they? They they had a a bad run through those um, round robin games. Um, but we we might just be reaching our limits now, possibly. I think one of the big surprises, I don't know about you, Matt, I mean, you watched the Blues because they were the, the team that sadly knocked the, the Stars out last year, weren't they, if I'm right? They were, say. yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that 
I was surprised about was seeing the way the Blues played. In fact, for the whole playoffs, they didn't really look like they were themselves. Was that there just didn't seem to be... I don't know. They did. They, they were such a complete team, such a hard team to break down last year and beat. And this year, they just didn't really seem to have it. And they were one of those teams that really did look like they struggled to restart after after the break. I think I think they really struggled after the restart. I think during the season, the regular season, they were that organised team. And I think people were expecting them to have a hangover you know, after the Stanley Cup win and, and not be quite as good. But they did look as organised in regular season. I think that's why it was so surprising. Um, not how bad they were, but but how unorganised at times they were. And that they didn't get the goaltending that they, they'd yeah. been used to through that, that run last year and, and the regular season. And that, that became a real problem for them, especially when, I think I mentioned last week, the Vancouver power play just went to town in that series and was the was the real difference and the the goaltending just blown apart by it really one of the players that have got a lot of headlines from the Canucks run is obviously Pettersson and and he's you know he's a kind of a well-known figure if you're a Canadian hockey fan because he gets a lot of coverage in um kind of Canadian hockey shows and things like that uh, as a very popular figure to watch but What's interesting is through seeing some of the coverage of this playoffs is how the kind of NHL wide media are now starting to really pick up on him as being, you know, really good, that kind of next level of good. What kind of, you know, as a, as a fan, Andy, it must be great having a player like that who, you know, can turn pretty much any situation into a goal scoring opportunity and, and if not a goal. And he's still got room to grow as well. I mean, he's still quite a young lad. You know, there's just, just now and again, you see moments you think, wow, how do you do that? How do you get out of that situation? How do you find that pass? How do you, you know, thread it through to somebody? Uh, and he's, he's scoring quite a lot of points in these playoffs, isn't he? He's, he's um, I think he's second, although he's played more games um, in the, the points um, sort of tally at the moment. Um, he's, yeah, he's an exciting player to watch. He's still... I think he can be brushed off um, the, the puck at times because he's he's not you know fully bulked out if he ever will fully bulk out. Uh, but he's just so focused as well. Whenever you hear him talk, whenever you see him play, it, it's not much of a sense of humour there. It's just absolute you know dead-eyed focus on the game. Who are some of the other players that have kind of um, impressed you or have stood out um, who, who have maybe kind of propelled the Canucks to to overachieve in this in this playoffs? Uh, Bo Horvat, I think, in the first couple of games against the Blues was a big difference. I don't think they could quite cope with him. He was sort of just barreling his way through and, and scoring. But I think it's probably some of the um, the, the bottom six um, forwards who, who've surprised a lot of people. It's the, it's the ones like um, uh, Mott and um, uh, Gordette and um, uh, Sutter, players like that, the, the ones that weren't necessarily expected to shine. But I mean, Mott's got quite a few goals um, for the guy who was only really there usually to um, to push people out of the way. Um, <laughs> Lovely goal the other night against um, the Blues, was it? Yeah, the one we broke away. Had had no stick, and he, he just turned him inside out. It was it was lovely. Yeah, yeah, and just players that they they've made a big difference because I think we know that our top six are, are quite good, but it's it's the other ones that you're not quite so sure of, and for them to be performing well, it has made a big difference. Even uh, Louis Erickson, who's you know coming from a lot of stick, partly because of his this you know, massive contract uh, hanging over him, hasn't done that badly. You know he's actually been worth his place in the team sometimes. 
So that's been a bonus as well. <laughs> it's always good, isn't it? If you just about make it worth in a team. I always feel <laughs> sorry for, for players with those contracts. Oh, well, I feel sorry and I don't. I feel sorry in terms of the, the expectation sometimes is just in any other sport or certainly in a sport where the cap isn't such a part of the fans kind of involvement in a team and awareness like in in football in in the uk there isn't this same awareness of how much players earn and you know okay there are transfer fees which i guess get tagged to players but often that gets forgotten over the years because there's not that same direct impact i think back to to you know uh, patrick marlowe with the leafs and you know his his reputation there is awful because and purely because of the contract you know what what Patrick Marlowe did when he came to Toronto was great and is exactly what you know he he was expected to do and should do but his contract was was too much for that and his you know that everybody's view on on his time there is tainted by by that and that's just something that over here in sports we just don't really have um, it's it's these long contracts at the sort of the middle um price range that mm. cause these problems so you you sort of 6 to 8 million um, but over seven or eight years, and they're not a star player, but they're not a bottom player. Yeah. As they get older, there's there's still a, a massive cap hit, and and teams have to kind of suck that, that suck mm. up that cap hit. Um, but they don't get the return, and so then the the, the players come in for a bit of stick. And I I do wonder with the, the sort of the cap we're seeing at the moment and COVID and everything, can teams teams kind of struggling? whether we'll see less of those middle contracts with long term and we'll see a lot more sort of shorter term contracts. And also, I mean, if you're, if you're a player now, if you're going in, if you're a UFA or you're in a position to sign a contract now, you've got to be aware that unless you're a star, because yeah, you're right. I don't think it's going to affect those, those top level players, but you are you've got to be aware that there is not as much money going around right now you know when you hear things like the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't going to be a cap team and all of this kind of stuff there's not going to be as much money going around the NHL for the next few years and the flat cap is only going to add to that so why wouldn't you do a bridge contract but I mean that's tough if you're if you're 30 let's say and that takes you to 32 well then you know, are you going to get, you're not going to get an eight year contract. You're not going to get a seven year contract, but you might be able to get a three or four year contract at a higher figure overall. And it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be very interesting how those teams, Vancouver actually are one of those teams that are quite up against the cap. Um, Andy, I was quite surprised when I looked at their cap friendly and I, I don't know why. I think I had it in my head that once the Sedins left, it was just, you know, that gave you all the cap space you needed, but it's not the case. You guys are, are, are quite cosy up there at the top of the, the cap. Yeah, and that's a problem as well because it kind of depends where you are in the process, isn't it? If, you, if you're a team which is competing now and you need to have that player to push you over the edge, then maybe it makes sense to sign one of those bigger deals. But we're, as I said, we're kind of at the start of that window and you've got some big contracts for, coming up further down the line when you have to give the, the money to people like Pettersson, to Quinn Hughes, and um, people like that. And you know that's going to be a struggle when you've got big people, people like uh, Jay Beagle, um, Brandon Satter, and um, uh, Louis Erickson on big money for a few years yet. And who's going to who's going to take those contracts? That's what I'm going to be fascinated by because we we briefly touched about that with the Leafs, Matt, a couple of weeks back. But who's going to you know who is going to take those five six million pound players even for a few years? Because 
there's just going to be no room. Like teams are not going to have room to do that. And it's going to then, you wonder if then teams like Vancouver are going to, are going to be forced into having to bridge a player like Pettersson, which who they would never have bridged in a, you know, in previous years, but it's going to have some really interesting ramifications, this, this flat cap and, and how teams are going to kind of move around and see if they can. Um, I think uh, Vancouver have got a big decision to make in, in goal this, this summer, haven't they? Um, yeah. Markstrom has been, been playing well. and I think he's, he's contracts up. And, and you know, I'd I'd be looking to keep him, but how how do you fit him in the cap when you've got other other players to sign? I think they've got to keep him, haven't they? He's just playing far too well, and it may be the case that they have to let get rid of um, Thatcher Demko, you know, yep. make him available for the, um, the the Seattle Kraken to, to take or whatever. Um, but just because he is just so so key to the team at the moment. Haven't they got? They've got a third goaltender, haven't they, Vancouver? Yeah, um, Di Pietro. He's, he's a bit further off, a bit, bit further down the line, um, and we're not quite sure how he's going to pan out. But he's been playing, you know, pretty well for the uh, the Comets. Um, so yeah, he's, he's potential further down the line. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see as well how you know we've we've talked a lot about goaltending tandems, and we've seen how the likes of Boston and Dallas have have relied very heavily on their, I guess, their second goaltender. Um, or their, you know, their one B goaltender. You know, for for Vancouver, if they can't re-sign Markstrom or if they have to move somebody else, it's going to be again really hard for them to to kind of have that kind of goalkeeping tandem or goaltending tandem in place. But Markstrom had such a good year this year, as you say, Andy. You kind of they've got to try and keep him because getting that kind of goaltending is not not easy. But he's going to come at a cost. Yeah, I think financially they can do it. It's just a question of who they don't sign at the same time. You know, whether it's um, whether Toffoli, Toffoli, Toffoli turns Toffoli. out to be a one-year um, rental and that's it, he's gone, or whether we'd have to say goodbye to a, you know a Jake Vertanen or a Chris Tanev or somebody like that to make room. I think they will make sure Markstrom stays. But yes, as you say, they can't they can't fit fit them all in there. So someone's going to have to give. Much as I'm um, very keen on uh, looking ahead to. Um, next season already. Sorry, Matt, were you going to jump in with something? Now? I was just going to say, if you get a chance, take a look at the list of uh, unrestricted free agent goaltenders this season. Yeah. Oh, it's spectacular, isn't it? It is incredible. Um, there's going to be some interesting moves and some some decisions that teams are really going to have to make. I mean, Vegas with Lena, um, Chicago Pittsburgh. with Crawford, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Murray and Jari. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Hudobin's up at Dallas, Tolbert at Calgary. Um, yeah. yeah, there's some there's some really interesting uh, decisions to be made. There's a lot of Lundquist. goaltenders who've yeah. yeah who oh Lund is Lundquist isn't it? Is, is he it? UFA? I think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But um... no, I don't think he is just yet. Yeah, okay. I thought yeah, he was yeah. signed till the end of time. But, um... <laughs> There is some talk of what they're going to... Oh, the thing with New York, bit, though, yeah. of course, is they've got three goaltenders. You know, they've got mm. Gorgiev, Shosturkin, and um, and Lundqvist. And, mm. you know, are they going to go with the young two tandem there or are they going to keep Lundqvist when, you know, it, although he's a he's a legend there, are they going to give him a, the tough treatment <laughs> and trade him? But... And you, I was reading an article earlier today, actually, about Pittsburgh and, and Jim Rutherford, the um, the GM there, said 
you know, he's already started taking calls on his goaltenders. And, you know, he said it's very unlikely that both Tristan Jari and Matt Murray will return for, for the Penguins next season. And again, you know, because they can't afford it or they, you know, they don't want to spend that money on those two goaltenders. And then you've got, as you say, the Vegas situation. So you could find there's a lot of number one or 1A goaltenders being moved around this off-season, which for a team who, I guess, for a team who are looking for a goaltender and have some cap space, you could potentially get yourself a very, very good goaltender and you could probably lock them up for quite a while because there's a lot of teams who just aren't going to be able to do it. Is Hado been likely to re-sign in Dallas? Uh they want to, uh, and I think on the ways performing in the, the playoffs, they would want to. But I think uh, the problem's going to be term. So yeah, he, he he's his performance this year. He led the league in save percentage, and now he's he's won a, a series in the playoffs. He's he's looking for an improvement uh, on his two and a half million pound contract. Definitely, <laughs> yes. Dallas can't really afford to give him that that pay rise and the term. It's kind of what we were talking about. They've got people like Haskin and Gurianov and, and Rupe Hintz who are all in the next couple of years going to be getting big contracts. Um, so how do you keep him and still have that cap space going forward? So, yeah, he, he could be going elsewhere. I mean, he's 30. This is probably going to be his... Uh, sorry, he's 34. So this is probably going to be his last contract. So he's going to want as long a term as he can possibly get. So just to, to kind of wrap up talking about the, the Canucks in the, in the playoffs now, um, and they, they had a bit, of a, a bit of a tough first game, game one against Vegas, who are really turning out to be probably one of the favourites to come through the, the West. Um, I don't know whether you were able to watch it, Andy, or see some highlights, but was there anything in that performance that made you think that this is not going to be a, a, a whitewash? No, <laughs> not really. No. There's, there's nothing that surprised me either. I mean, having seen previous games, I'm pretty sure we've never beaten them. And they just handle us so well. They, they just you know, overpower us. They control the game. They don't let, let us have time on the puck. They put pressure on our more creative defensive players. You know, I'm looking at Hughes there. Um, and we just didn't get any, any shots, hardly any shots at all from the, the top six. They really pressured us. And they've got on the other side. They've got just so many options going forward. So it's hard to see really where we get any any wins from. So we're recording this on Monday night. By the time you hear this podcast, it'll be earliest Tuesday morning. So that will be we will be heading on to Game Two um, that night. What is there anything that you can see that the Canucks can do? Is there anything that uh, kind of anything that you can take from? Uh, game one where you think well maybe they'll be able to nick a game or two it, it needs to have someone like Markstrom stealing games possibly maybe yeah. mixing things up with the lines so it's less predictable but they, they just like I say just handle us so well we, we've got you know quick players they should be able to take advantage of that but they just check us and you know hold us off the puck it's, I just don't see it it's amazing watching hockey like that because I uh, you know, going back to the Columbus Toronto series that I watched and it was, sounds very similar to what you're describing in terms of, you know, Toronto are a very fast, skillful team, but Columbus made them look slow. 
at times mm. and l- made them look like they're they're not an offensive threat. And you kind of sit there and watch these games and think, is this the same team that I have seen, you know, run rings round defences before and good defences before? But it just seems like certain teams, Columbus are one of them. I've heard Vegas as well over in the West are really good at it. And there are teams that just seem to be able to smother those offensive, quick, skillful teams. And it's so disheartening to watch as a fan of that because you think that's all we got. Well, we haven't got the defense. And I think by the sound of it, Vancouver might be the same, although they're in a slightly better yeah. position than we are. But there's not, you know, there's, we, we can't grind out the, for the shutouts like um, teams like that can. And it's incredible how teams can, can neutralize them. Mm. And those sort of players don't rely on one player, do they? It's those teams that don't rely on one player. If they lost, you know, Riley Smith, they've got loads of other players. It doesn't matter so much. And the other thing as well about Vegas is they just don't give away many penalties. And we're a team that gets a lot of points scored on, on, um, on penalties, and they're not giving them away. I was going to say exactly that, Andy, that I think they only gave away one, one penalty last night. And, you know, for, for a team, as we've mentioned, with such a good power play, that's, that's kind of crippling part of your scoring. Um, but, but Vegas is... Uh, very offensive, but very well organised. But they've got a really interesting kind of fourth line because they come across with, with like Ryan Reeves and, and that as, as this kind of big line, a check-in line. But they don't give away the penalties that you kind of associate with that, that kind of mm. check-in line. And they do pop up with the odd goal. You have to watch out, watch out for them. I've, I've seen them a few times this year. The fourth line can be, can be productive offensively as well, which is is what makes them dangerous. Like you say, they've got goals coming from everywhere on every line. Mm. While we're um, talking about Vegas, before we move on to, to talk about the stars, um, we can't really not mention a certain picture that was posted um, on Twitter by a, an agent, a player's agent. And this is uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm sure you've probably seen it. If you hadn't, we did tweet it out at um, NHL fans from afar. Um, I guess I should describe it in case you haven't seen it. It is a picture of Marc-Andre Fleury and with a gigantic sword stuck through his back. And if you zoom in just slightly uh, closer, you will see uh, De Boer's name inscribed on the blade of the sword. Um, This was posted by Marc-Andre Fleury's agent, head of game one, I'm assuming. Um, Yeah, it was, yeah. Timeline right. And oh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful picture. It's a very nicely done, very looks a very nice picture, but utterly bizarre for a player's agent to decide to post this. And now it has since been deleted, and the agent's got rid of it at the request of the player after he had an immediate availability for the Golden Knights. Um, and supposedly they have spoken about it, the Golden Knights and Flurry, that is. However, there. There's never smoke without a flame. And I can't help but think that for the length of time that that picture was up, if Flurry didn't want anything to do with it, then he would have told his agent to take it down and his agent would have taken it down. So even if he wasn't part of putting it up there, he certainly was part of not taking it down quickly. I mean, this is something that we don't really see in hockey, is it? I mean, I thought everybody just talked behind closed doors and gave kind of boring sound bites to the media. This is, this is 
throwing petrol onto an argument that was kind of only just simmering away, really. What it's, what you see in the NFL. it's what you see in the NFL or the yeah. NBA, isn't it? It's, it's not what you see in hockey. It's Antonio but, Brown. <laughs> yeah, or, or how many other players? Yes, Jalen yeah. Ramsey, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah I th- that was our big hope, Joe, on, that uh, somehow this would uh, unsettle the Vegas team and uh, we'd, <laughs> we'd pull off a surprise win. I, I'm not quite sure. Well, why is Lana playing anyway? Then? Is, is he... Obviously, he can't have come into any form because there wasn't any games for several months. Murray had a pretty ropey regular season, didn't he? I, th- I seem to remember reading that he had possibly one of his worst uh, regular seasons, I think. Uh, I know Lena's playing, you know, he's a UFA, he's playing for his contract. So mm. I wonder whether there's something in there. But, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, it, it seemed a really odd one. But, I mean, Lena going to Vegas was a bit of a strange move anyway because of the fact that they had a kind of bona fide number one goaltender. However, it now seems that they might have switched that. But he... I don't know, Matt, what, what did you make of it when you saw that picture? Uh, I kind of just thought that agents should just stay out of that kind of thing. <laughs> But that's that's a predictable response. But you know, it's quite well quite well done. Um, and and in defence of Flurry, it was probably up there so long because he didn't see it because he's in the bubble. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah whatever. <laughs> Is it what else are those players doing other than just on their phone constantly? Uh, I, I mean, from a fan, if I was a Vegas fan, like you say, no smoke without fire. But I want Flurry to be angry that he's not playing. I want him to be hungry to play. But there's one thing There's one thing being angry and being annoyed that you're not playing. It's another thing illustrating that you're being stabbed in the back by your coach. I, I, I don't think... I'm, I'm not saying Flurry uh, asked for that picture to, to go up. I'm sure he had nothing, nothing to do with it. Um, but, but he must feel betrayed, or his, his agent must feel like he's being betrayed somehow. Because, you know, it's not like he... That's not a reaction to just being dropped, is it? That's a, you know, that's illustrating something much more. Yeah, and I think I think Flurry's probably said some things behind closed doors that have, have kind of been along those lines of feeling stabbed in the back, and um, you know, I was the number one. What's going on? And, you know, um, but you you want that anger and passion, but you don't want an agent tweeting that. I mean, that's not going to help his cause at all. So, would you prefer it if Flurry had tweeted it himself? No, I, I would have preferred it if Flurry had just done a media day and come out and, you know, when asked the question, how do you feel about not playing? Showed a bit of passion and, and fight and said, I'm fighting for my place at the moment. Stood, has got the... <laughs> stood up and illustrated being stabbed <laughs> got, in the back by my got coach. A sword out and, yeah, a little <laughs> plastic sword. And the so I, one of the comments I loved on it was something like, um, I tell you what, Vegas have really amped up their pregame shows with this. Like, it's all part of the... Uh, I don't know. I wondered whether it was something to do with, and I suppose it's weird because Pete DeBoer wasn't wasn't there at, at the beginning um, of Flurry's time. But I I wonder whether it's something like he must have. He was really sold as the big name in Vegas. Like, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to see a game there not long ago, and uh, back in the days of when we could travel and all of that. Um, he is he is Vegas and everywhere is all about him and him being the star player and actually Andy what you were saying earlier about Vegas is really interesting I actually off the top of my head can't tell you that many Vegas forwards or or defensemen 
other than like Reeves, and um, I'm now struggling. Patrick However, Patrick, again, yeah. Mark Stone. Mark Stone, there's another one. Paul Stasny. They don't have those superstars that jump out, you know, like with Vancouver, you think of Pettersson and Horvat mm. um, and some of the other players. You know, Dallas, you always think of Ben and Sagan. So if you don't follow those teams, you always have those couple of players. With Vegas, you're never sure, except for Flurry, who was really part of that initial kind of setting up of that team and the success they had early on. And I just wonder whether that is a bit of a fallout now that, as he's saying, well, that didn't last very long, did it? And we've had pretty good years, and now you've already turned turned on me. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how it's going to end up as well. I mean, is he trying to get his way out? I mean, surely not, is he? Or what, what, what's he? What's he trying to achieve by doing this? I suppose it depends what they do with Lena. Are they going to resign him? Well, you, you assume wants before, a big I'm contract, not, but... doesn't he? Leno wants yeah. a big contract. He said he wants his, his payday and, and he feels like he's earned it and he's, he's moved from team to team because teams haven't given him that in the past. And I don't know if Vegas is the place, but as Matt said, there's a lot of, goal te- there's a lot of good goaltenders yeah. around and some of them are going to have to settle with not necessarily their first choice um, of location to go. So that's going to be interesting. So we'll we'll see how it goes. So hopefully for the Canucks that they uh, do make a bit of a fight for it. Markstrom pulls um, a few big games out, and uh, and your uh, your playoff run is extended ever so oh, slightly. Although we are <laughs> thinking that it will be a Golden Knights win eventually. Yeah. Let's turn our attention to our uh, Dallas Stars fan, who um, little did he know he is uh, supporting the team with the most offensive power in the entire NHL. The goal-scoring <laughs> demons that are the Dallas Stars, never in doubt, can score their way out of any issues. Um, and seemingly, up until our last game, didn't even need Ben Sagan or Radulov to even to do any of the scoring themselves. It just goes to show that not only do I not know what I'm talking about, Nobody else knows what they're talking about either because all the build-up to the playoffs was all about how we couldn't score goals. And the the, the round-robin proved that. We spoke about that. Um, but then the playoffs started and, yeah, I, d- I don't know where it's come from. I think I messaged you and said, what happened to this? T- what have they done with the team? And, and who are these players? Because it... it, it does just start to look like, and I think this is kind of why I had a bit of uh, a bit of hope uh, <laughs> going on. Don't foolishly, it. Don't uh, it looks like the system, which has looked so negative and defensive all all year, has just started to click. And what they've been trying to achieve all year, they're now actually doing. So they're playing a real um, hard forecheck and cycle game. And it's all about winning those battles and keeping the puck in the offensive zone and, and keeping the pressure on and building up that pressure. And we're not, I've complained before that we don't create these golden opportunities like people seem to do against us, but we're creating goals from pressure mm. and um, putting the you know simple things like putting the puck on net and getting bodies in front of the goaltender. And it all comes from that cycle. And even in the round robin, there was... Uh, two periods against the Knights where that cycle game the Knights just couldn't cope with it Mm. but then defensively we we were terrible and I think it started to build and build and get better and better as the playoffs have gone on 
and we've we've yeah we're now getting those goals from that, that that cycle play so hopefully we can be slightly better defensively as well because we're scoring five but conceding four well let's let's just go back to game six against the flames and uh, a remarkable game really um, one i was fortunate enough to be able to watch the the next day and i know you did as well um to go to go three nil down in a in a game six uh, where you have the uh, the you know, the ability to win the series there and then to go three nil down in what was it the first six and a half minutes six and a half minutes I knew you'd know exactly the figure because <laughs> I thought if that was my team I'd know exactly how many minutes it was um, six and a half minutes three nil down and I said to you at the time I said it would they have pulled Hudobin at that point, or Bishop, if they'd have been in goal, if the other one was on the bench. Now, Bishop has been unfit to play and isn't on the bench, and they've got some some kid <laughs> who's who's on the bench who looks petrified um, that he might actually have to go in. Um, however, they didn't, because they didn't have that option. Hudobin stayed in and didn't let in another goal after that. And then you went on and scored seven unanswered in response. And it was... Okay, there was a coaching timeout, which now looks like a genius move because <laughs> that was at three nil, and then you won seven three. But the the way that they just absolutely relentlessly battered the Flames, and it's kind of what you were talking about with the cycle play. They just did not let up, and from that moment of being three nil down, as soon as that one it was made three one, that was it. The Flames didn't get a look. It must have been incredible to watch. It, well, at the time when... Maybe I, not a 3-0 down. <laughs> well, I, I I did the thing of um, going to bed early, getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Very good. And uh, How did that feel at 6 past 3? Well, <laughs> well, after six and a half minutes, I was actually getting ready to go back to bed. I, oh, I was, man. Can I was fuming. And then we got the power play. And we scored, and I thought, hang on a minute, we don't we don't score many power play goals. Yeah, and and there was just something about the the sort of the pressure straight after that that power play goal, the pressure that they put on, um, where you just thought we could we could pull this back. And I think it comes from the fact that this team have been through so much adversity this year. I mean, we started the season seven and one. Uh, other way around one and seven or something like that you know one of our worst losing streaks to start a season then we went on a nine game winning streak to match a franchise record um then we went on more losing streaks then we lost our coach um yeah. unexpectedly then we hosted a, a winter classic you know the it, it's just been a really crazy season and i think we're a veteran team We've got experience, and I think that's starting to pay off. They're, they're, the leaders are coming to the, the fore, and the young kids are also doing it as well. I mean, Gurianov, he's really started. He led us in, in his goals in the, in the regular season, and now he's leading us in goals in the, in the playoffs. Mira Haskinen, you mentioned earlier about uh, Pettersson getting the, the national coverage. I think yeah. when, you, when you perform in the playoffs... As a young kid, you get the attention, and rightly so, that Pettersson and, and um, Haskinen are getting the, the plaudits because he's been he's been brilliant, and he he just put that team on his back, and and we got seven goals. It was 
yeah, I was pleased I stayed up in the end. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. I think I would have, uh, I think I probably wouldn't have lasted that long. The best think. bit, though, as I messaged you, was the Matthew Kachuk oh. um, images. Oh. Watch, watching from the stands with his, with his face mask on, just as every goal went in, getting absolutely exasperated by it and just like head in hands and throwing oh, his hat. Brilliant. On the ground, absolutely brilliant. I do you know what? Uh, that was something that that passed me by. I hadn't realised he was injured, and I I don't know. I just missed it. And um, it was funny because you messaged me, and I was watching on delay. And obviously, you were you were giving me kind of time sensitive uh, messages, and you said something like, "I'll um, oh, just watch out for Kachuk." And I was like, "Oh, okay, interesting." Expect him to be on the ice, and I was I was kind of in the back of my mind as I was watching the game, thinking. I have not really heard much about Kachuk at all. Like, and I was thinking, this is really strange because he's one of those players that is always involved and is always around the play and you never really don't hear about him. And it was only then when they cut away to him with a mask on in the stands, I went, ah, oh, that's what he meant. And, oh my days, he, he would just wish that the TV cameras had not found where he was watching from. <laughs> there were no other fans to uh, highlight. No, I know, so. Exactly. It's not many to choose from. Yeah, and they missed, did. They, they cut to him quite a few series. times. I mean, yeah. I think he, I think he got injured in game two, um, and it was a really innocuous um, concussion. I think he he got sandwiched between Jamie Ben and Jamie Alexiak. Uh, Jamie Not a place you'd want to be. And yeah, banged <laughs> banged his head and couldn't couldn't even really stand up. He had to be kind of wobbled to the bench and went straight down the tunnel. And that was the last we saw of him all series. Because he was such a thorn in the side of the uh, Winnipeg Jets in yeah. that series. I mean, he was he was you know a real difference maker in that um, for many reasons. But he you know he's, he's so all over the ice. Um, so then you come on and face the uh, much favoured Colorado Avalanche, and that's you know you're you're expecting that to be a tough matchup, and probably one of the along with Vegas, probably the favourites of of the west side of the the bracket, and possibly even across the, the whole Stanley Cup playoffs. But, well, it was easy, wasn't it? No problem. No. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, and, and it's only game one, you know. Uh, but Oh, it's all sewn up, mate, isn't it? All done. No. On to uh, the next round. Defi- definitely not. Who but... do you want? Vegas or, <laughs> or Canucks? <laughs> uh, Canucks. Um... Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I'm still it's... listening. Yeah, yeah, he's still here. It's, uh, <laughs> the, the difference between Calgary and... Uh, Colorado is massive. The, the the speed at which things happen when Colorado are on the ice, it's incredible. Yeah, like the the difference is just you know um, that top line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, McKinnon, Landeskog, um, Rantanen, isn't it? Rantanen, yeah. It's yeah. it's just the, they move the puck around like I wish we could do that. <laughs> And and before Nathan McKinnon is incredible, um, and he's in you know, top of the top of the scoring charts for a reason. Um, we managed to kind of keep their power play quiet, and I think that's going to be a big thing. I know Stephen, um, who's been on the podcast, mentioned it on on Twitter that their power play. If you load that up, you're in trouble. And we managed to not load it up, and managed to. Um, keep them quiet, and I think that's going to be a big thing all series. Is can we keep their their power play um, off the ice? But I think the thing that it showed most for me was that that cycle game and that pressure 
it worked against the Avs. And if it can work against the Avs, it can work against anyone. Yeah. And and so I think we've just got to keep playing our game and get a bit of luck, get some goaltending, and you know we could we could win the series. But I I think it's going to go. I think it's going to be tight. Did I see that um, Grubauer went off injured? Yeah, so Grubauer went off and uh, Franco's came on, um, and he, he he looked quite good uh, in relief. And I think he's actually had a pretty good season. I think Grubauer l- missed like the last fourteen games of the season. He did and and Franco's came on, uh, in and played really well then. So it wasn't too big a loss, but I think they said today he's out indefinitely. Okay, uh, Grubauer as is um, Johnson in defence. So both of those are out indefinitely and they've also lost Calvert. Mm. So three injuries from the first game for Colorado. It was a really horrible one, the uh, the Grubauer one. I mean, it's one of those ones where you're so used to seeing goalies getting bumped or, or you know, in Carey Price's case, a, a stick through the neck almost in, in one play that I saw. Um, however, this one was just one of those ones where he seemingly did what goaltenders do all the time, but obviously just you know, did something to some muscle and that looked horrible. That looked horrible. Yeah, just, and, and the, the silence makes it even worse. Oh, it does. I think we spoke about this before, just the, the silence in the arena. Oh, means... yeah, with the Jake Muzzin one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it is yeah. creepy. I, th- yeah. I think, you know, Frontos is a good good replacement. Um, they've got Hutchinson as well, who's got experience. Oh, um, right, just say that if <laughs> if you are facing Hutchison, then you might as well start thinking about the next round. I, I, like, do not even... For those who don't follow the Toronto Maple Leafs as closely as I do, he was our backup for this season, and I think he cost us the best part of 11 games. Terrible. Terrible. Um, so if, if he's in goal, you're laughing. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. score 14. I mean, I, I had the Avs down to win the, the whole thing in my bracket. Yeah. And I, and I probably still do, because it's only one game. Um, but I think, you know... But still... you guys surely have got to kind of ride this momentum now. You had that incredible game six against Calgary. You've had a really good start against Colorado. I mean, it's such a cliche, but game two and three are going to be hugely crucial, because if Colorado win... Uh, is it tonight? Yeah, tonight. Then... It's 1-1 and that momentum dies. Whereas if you can get another one and at least kind of push them a little bit more, then you can just keep that momentum going because you see series swing so often with that kind of momentum. I think in a way it almost helped us that they finished the series on Friday, woke up on Saturday and were told you're playing tomorrow. Yeah. I think that 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 really helped. I think it was the other way around. Thursday, woke up Friday and said you're playing Saturday, something like that. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, for Stars fans, we've won four games in a row. That that doesn't happen often. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, if you can keep the momentum going, that'd be great. Andy, how have you uh, found the, the playoffs since they've returned? Um, have you managed to catch many games? Have you been kind of exclusively following the Canucks or have you been enjoying the old uh, five o'clock UK starts that we were enjoying earlier on in the in the playoffs? I've watched some of the games on highlights. Um, I've not minded them too much. I, I I thought beforehand that the, as you said, the the silence around the arena would be a bit weird, but they they put some noise in there, and they sort of like pumped in some goal noise and stuff like that. 
I've not really noticed much difference in some games. It's been it's been okay. Yeah. And, and the sort of talk about well, should we bring it back? Should we not bring it back? I think it's been really good. Yeah, well, I say so. It certainly entertained me for for several hours, um, that and uh, has stopped me going through endless episodes of The Office, um, which has has been good to break that up for my own sake. Um, okay, so as two people who have uh, skin in the game and have teams still in the playoffs, if your team gets through the next round and then gets through the conference finals and gets to the Stanley Cup and plays one of the Islanders, Flyers, Lightning or Bruins, and then you win that Stanley Cup final, is that going to feel like a normal victory? Or do you think forever and ever this year will be remembered as the Stanley Cup year or the Stanley Cup winners, but with a little asterisk next to the name? Because it happened in this weird, wacky playoff format that probably will be never repeated ever again. I'll go with Andy first. What, uh, what do you reckon? Canucks, 2020 Stanley Cup finalists and Stanley Cup championship. And then a little asterisk. And then I wake up, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't see why not. I mean, it, it's they played seventy odd games, didn't they? I mean, that's pretty much a full season. Saying that those seventy games don't count somehow, and this isn't a proper championship when you're playing the, the the playoffs in almost the same format as you would do normally, just seems a bit cheap, really, doesn't it? For, is, is it coming from the teams that didn't quite make it? I don't know. I, I don't see what's what's wrong with it at all. Don't know what you're on about, Andy. Don't know. <laughs> don't know. Matt, Dallas Stars Stanley Cup Championships 2020 asterisks. Well, for the Stars, they're probably... Are they are they the only other team that's won it with an asterisk next to their name? I don't know. They, people say that we've got an asterisk next to our name from when we won it because the Brett Hall goal shouldn't have counted oh, because yeah. he was in the crease. So, uh, Well, there's arguments that the... Was it the 2013? Was it after the lockout or something like that? That shortened season yes, that the, the yeah. Blackhawks won. Some have said that that should be asterisked next there's, to their name there's but. always arguments about you know either either way but for me i actually think this is should have an asterisk because it's harder to win oh it's, come on well the, <laughs> there's no travel playing, mats they're just yeah, but, sitting in a hotel every other day don their skates off they go but but they are you know i don't think i, I mean rick bonus the interim coach of dallas said it the, this bubble life is not easy you're away for, from your family. You're, I, think, I think the stars hadn't been outside or had a day off <laughs> for, for 16 days. God. You know, uh, they played eight games in 14 days. That's ridiculous. That would not happen in any other sport, by the way. The toll that must take on your body as well. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it's not easy. And every team is going through that. And I think if you win this, this cup, you've earned it. You deserve to win the Stanley Cup because of how how tough it's been. Being in isolation and away from your family for that long is is not easy. Playing that many games in quick succession not easy. I I think it's valid. Also, for the teams that are winning these games and the team that eventually goes on to win it, they're not doing it in front of you know, packed um, audiences, are they? Then they're not getting the uh, sort of the respect in some ways they deserve from the fans because the fans aren't there. It's sad. It, 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 that will be a sad moment that the team who, who lift the Stanley Cup will do it and no one will, no one will witness it, as, mm. as in be there. No one will ever say that I was there the year the Team X won the 2020 Stanley Cup. 
Um, More importantly, who's going to boo Gary Bettman? <laughs> Good know, point. It will be booless. Yeah. I mean, Bettman will be, be loving it. Bettman will be say, weird. do it again next year. <laughs> yeah. Can they pump it in or something? Like in the loudspeakers? <laughs> we need to get Would you dare? <laughs> we need to get something going on Twitter or something where everybody like films themselves booing Gary Bettman. That, Players should do it just tongue in cheek, like with a big grin <laughs> on their faces. I don't know if you can boo and grin at the same time. I think that's physically impossible. But yeah, God, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. I wonder if he references it. Oh no, I'm sure he won't. I'm sure it's he probably won't. why he wants a virtual draft as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just seen the NFL one. He enjoyed it too much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's going to be. We'll talk more about the the upcoming draft and all that kind of stuff. I can't wait to forget about this season and and focus on next. But um, for some reason, people are still interested in this. Um, one sad loss that we have had uh, this week is uh, looks like there are no more 5 p.m. UK face-offs. Uh, they they sadly look like they have gone and are a thing of the past. We may have the odd kind of ten. 10 o'clock start UK time um, I think there's one tomorrow or the day after I think but I could be wrong um, but we are we are back into the realms of the midnight and the 3am games the true hockey fans oh yeah that's right game 2 Islanders Flyers that's an 8pm UK start there you go guys mark your uh, calendar I think it's the only one I think I, I complained on Twitter about the Dallas start times not being UK friendly and a load of uh, Dallas locals chimed in and said, "The three, like the the ones that are three thirty in the UK, he said they're not friendly for us locals. No. Like so they're they're not they? happy either. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially if there's quadruple overtime. Ah, <laughs> oh, good times. Well, we've uh, we've talked a lot about the West. Um, we'll very very briefly just mention the East. Um, so. Philadelphia uh, against the New York Islanders. The New York Islanders absolutely obliterating the Washington Capitals, which I don't think any of us particularly saw. But um, And then a, a great matchup in the East and one that's kind of been talked about for years. Uh, Tampa Bay versus Boston seems to happen every year and is always going to be a good battle. Um, uh, currently, Boston leading 1-0 because, of course, um, and uh, Philadelphia and New York Islanders are yet to face off against each other. Um, I'm not going to get anybody to predict because it's not worth the paper it's written on. Um, but out of those East Coast teams, I'm going to ask you both as West Coast fans who you would like to play most in the fictitious Stanley Cup final that your team gets to. And who you'd like to play least from the East? I will give you ten seconds to think about it. While I say that, if you want to um, subscribe to this podcast, that would be fantastic. Just click subscribe, and you'll get each episode every single week downloaded. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us, we're at NHL Fans from Afar on Twitter, or at uh, we're NHL Fans from Afar at gmail.com as well you can drop us an email claire is going to be back next week so normal service will be resumed um okay time is up uh andy who would be your favored team from the east and least favorite team it's kind of the same answer in some ways because i think the team we're least likely to beat is the boston bruins the team i would most likely to play is the boston bruins <laughs> just because just because wouldn't would it be amazing if we could make it for 2011 yeah. and actually actually yeah. beat them this time around that's a good answer. That's a very good answer, Andy. And one that I actually would, I would 
I would like to see the Boston Bruins get through to the final to see them lose in the final again. That would, <laughs> as long as they were guaranteed losing the final, I'll happily see them progress through the East. They've just got to lose in the final. Excellent, very good answer, Andy. Matt, uh, I would most like to play Philadelphia, not because I think they're the weakest, but because uh, going back to when I was a kid, I think like the bright orange shirts. Um, and and playing, you know, against them on on my computer game, I always loved playing Philadelphia Flyers. It was like one of those teams you you from the UK. You always knew Philadelphia. You knew that logo, and so yeah, I think seeing them get to the Stanley Cup would be good, and playing them would be good. Uh, least like to play Tampa. Um, you thought I was going to say Boston, didn't you? I'm quite surprised you say that about Tampa. What's your thinking? Uh, they are very offensive and uh we've we've struggled against them for many years whereas i think boston i think we could we could match them physically and and with the with the checking and the the cycles pressure play would you not want the uh tyler sagan beating the boston bruins in the uh stanley cup final storyline yeah, I, I'd like the Tyler Sagan beating anyone. In the <laughs> yes, good final. answer. <laughs> that is the right answer, indeed. Um, the only other one bit of news to really tell you about was uh, Todd Reardon was fired as the Washington Capitals coach. Um, I don't know whether that's a particular surprise or not. They obviously had a very disappointing uh, couple of playoffs after after winning the, the Stanley Cup two years back. Um, some of the coaches that are being linked are the likes of Gerard Gallant, former Vegas Golden Knights, and also uh, Mike Babcock as well, um, which is really because um, the GM there said that they want a coach with experience and they didn't do that after Barry Trotz. And so he's looking to try and get some experience in um, Alexander Ovechkin has said that he's not going to have any contract talks until training camp. So he's going to have a summer off and then come back, whatever it is, still summer, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he's going to come back and then talk his contract. And he's got one, one year left on his 13 year contract. <laughs> so uh, he's got one more year. Braden Holtby, they haven't ruled out the caps, bringing him back. He's a UFA and he's one of those, um, another one of those players who are going to be entering into that pool of goaltenders who potentially are available. Um, so another interesting week as the kind of off-season stuff starts to pick up for those teams that left the playoffs um, and we should start to see some moves and we've seen a couple of uh, I saw a tweet from um, the Detroit Red Wings saying that they'd signed a player and I was like oh yeah Detroit have a hockey team don't they still there's a couple of teams bless them Thanks very much, Andy, for uh, for joining this week. Best of luck to the to the uh, Vancouver Canucks. I think out of all of those teams, my Canadian roots will mean that I am rooting for the Canucks. Uh, We're screwed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know it's a it's a curse, really. I haven't actually picked you as a team though, so who knows? Because I would. I'm surprised you're not rooting for Boston. Well, I just th- because they would be the team that broke the jinx, wouldn't they? So you know. <laughs> in the wacky kind of world that that would be um but yeah thank you very much andy for that and all the best uh, to the canucks for the rest of the, the series against the vegas golden knights matt thank you as ever good luck against the colorado avalanche i do Cheers. want to try and set up the Stephen versus matt podcast while the series is still going on um, i feel we may have missed our opportunity but maybe we'll get him on next week and uh, yep. one of you will be over the moon 
Uh, Claire will be back next week, as I said. Thanks very much for listening and speak to you next week.